0: Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton Studio. I'm Darren Hefty.
1: And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us today. Well, today on the show, we're going to talk just a little about the corn crop. And we're curious, how is the corn crop in your area? If you'd like to give us a call, give us a little corn crop update. We'd love to hear from you. 844-44-AG-PHD is our number. Again, that's 844-442-4743. You could also email us, radio at agphd.com, or send us a note on Twitter, agphdmedia, Darren Hefty or Brian Hefty. All right, so as we were walking into the studio, Darren goes, hey, I bet the corn crop update's going to look a lot better than it did two days ago. So on Monday, it was July 3rd, and as I was driving past a bunch of our fields, I was feeling almost sick to my stomach because of all that we try to do to raise a great crop and all we need is a little rain and we don't need lots either so normally in our area we get 22 to 24 inches of total annual precipitation that includes the snow well so far this year as of Monday we were like eight inches behind maybe even nine so when you start ending up eight or nine inches behind halfway through a year where you normally would only get 22 to 24 inches of total annual precip. I'll let you do the math, but it's not good. And to make matters worse, we had been dry for three years prior to that. So um, we weren't sitting with a whole bunch of extra moisture going into the season is what I'm trying to say. But anyway, on Monday, it was hot. It was I, I, I'm I going to say around 90, it, you know, not ridiculously hot, but it was, it was warm and a lot of our corn was rolled up and some of it looked blue, which is bad. So anyway, I, I, I wasn't feeling real great. Let's put it that way. And then that night and the next morning we got roughly an inch of rain on a lot of our ground. So just all of a sudden, not only did things look better, but then the other thing is the forecast completely changed. And we had been 10 to 15 degrees above normal for two months. Well, a month and a half at least. And I mean, it's kind of unusual how warm we were for that long. And now, here in the middle of the week, well, like today, the high is supposed to be 70 degrees. 70, and it's the middle of the summer. So all of a sudden the corn gets a little reprieve, gets a nice drink of water. I mean, granted, we need a whole bunch more water to finish things out. But with corn crop too, unfortunately, a lot of yield had already been made because we're just about to go into tassel. I mean, later this week, we'll probably have the first tassels coming out on our farm. If we don't already today, I haven't looked at every field here in the last couple days or anything. So what I'm trying to say is... Yep. I'm happy because we got rain. It's really going to help the soybean crop because if we've lost any yield on soybeans, it'd be hardly any, but on corn, I just, I hate to say it, but I think we've already lost the top 50 bushels off our yield. Darren, what do you think?
0: Not much question about it, Brian. There's you can't have stress for that long on the plants, and there's really no way to mitigate it in dry land crops. Once, I mean, all the the table's already set. If it just doesn't rain and it's dry, literally, I dug a hole last year or last fall, twelve feet deep, and we didn't hit any level of moisture till we were ten feet down. It's not good. And you, you think about it, you can go out and dig right now, and you dig past a few inches, it's still bone dry. <laughs> So, yep, we got by for a little bit here with a little bit of rain and crop still looks better than we deserve. But if we don't have a little bit more rain soon, it's going to go downhill some more. But yeah, it's 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 hanging in there right now. It's certainly not going to
1: be 300 bushel corn this year. Nope, but it can still be pretty decent. And one of the things that we always try to do is maintain positivity because, let's face it, things could be a lot worse. You could be living in some war-torn country somewhere half the world. You could have no crop. You could have gotten completely hailed out. But even in that case, hopefully you have crop insurance to help cover yourself. So there, there are a lot worse situations that you could be in. And I also want to go back for just a minute to 2012. In 2012, we went almost three months with no rain, seriously, and we still ended up with, I'm gonna, I don't remember off the top of my head, but I'm going to say it was 135, 150 bushel average corn, something like that. You know, it wasn't good, but our beans, I think our beans are 56 or 57 bushel average because we got rain late, late July and in August, and, you know, with a good price, it actually wasn't a disaster year. So even though we had what many people would call a disaster crop when your crop's off by 40% on on the corn anyway, and our beans were down a little bit, but, you know, 56, 57 bushels, I mean, it's not bad. Sure, it's not the 65 we're used to or 70, but still not bad. So anyway, uh, hopefully... Things are better on your farm than they are on our farm right now, at least for the corn. But again, if you would like to talk corn with us, you can give us a call, 844 44 ag Right now, let's get to the Ag PhD Mailbag. It's now mailbag time with Brian and Darren.
0: All right, Brian, get this one in from Fisher, who says... Uh, man, I would hate to be in the room and you guys are choosing next year's seed purchases. Holy cow, there are so many advantages and disadvantages to discuss. How do you make those difficult decisions on the farm when you both have strong opinions and lots of information to sort through?
1: Yeah, but the whole thing is I think people put way too much weight on what the seed variety can do for you. Our belief is that if you take care of drainage and you fix your soils as good as you can, granted, you can never change sand into being, you know, super heavy, high organic matter ground or anything like that, but, um, you can do the right things for fertility and drainage. And once you do all that stuff, build organic matter, make your soil as best as it can be, um, I don't care what variety you plant. It's going to be really good. So I don't even worry about it all that much. We do talk a lot about the trait. The trait, I care about a lot because I can't change that once I put that in the ground. But the variety, I can make it a lot better or worse depending on my management from there.
0: Nope, and it does give you more options when you have the right trait, that's for sure. I got this one in from Jill. She said you guys were talking about common burdock as a weed of the week. Those teeny little hooks on those burdock can somehow get under a cow or horse's eyelid and ignore that poor animal for a long time. So death to all the burdock out there, at least everything that's around our livestock. Hey, thanks, Joe. We appreciate that. It doesn't really like my dogs either. It seems to burrow into their fur and that's kind of an annoyance and and it takes a lot of time to get those things unstuck. But anyway, lots of different uh, weeds out there we want to control. But today we're talking about the corn crop and getting an update from around the country. Stay tuned. We'll be right back.
2: Get uniform control in your fields with trusted, hard-working Lucento fungicide. Control the toughest diseases with a dual mode of action fungicide that consistently outperforms the competition and field trials. Lucento fungicide from FMC works over time for lasting control to help improve crop yields. Talk about getting the job done. Visit your FMC retailer or lucento.ag.fmc.com for hard-working control in your fields. Always read and follow all label directions.
0: you won't want to miss this year's Ag PhD Field Day with guided tours of our extensive research plots, world premieres of the latest ag technologies, the highest-yielding farmers on the planet, and more equipment running than ever before. The Ag PhD Field Day just keeps getting bigger and better. We'll also have great family entertainment, including a kid's area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and food and drink available all throughout the day. But the best part is everything's free. Go to agphd.com to learn more for the Ag PhD Field Day, Thursday, July 27th. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD radio broadcasting from the Morton studio today, getting a corn crop update. And we would love to hear how the corn crop is doing in your area and on your farm. Our phone lines will be open throughout the show today at 844-44-AG-PHD. If you'd like to call in and chat about the corn crop a little bit, got Kurt Martins with us right now. Uh, he's with BASF. And, Kurt, a lot of stuff going on out there in this corn crop, hearing about tar spot and uh, some areas, some insect issues already. And the corn crop's always in jeopardy out there until it's harvested.
3: Well, that you're, you're correct on that one. Uh, we went from uh, doing a lot of uh, talks about you know drought stress in this corn and the impact it may have to all of a sudden last Thursday when a storm came through with gracious type winds, uh, we got lodged corn that's popped back up. Now we're on to talking about tar spots, so conversation sure has changed quite a bit in the last week.
0: Yeah, it's it's A fun ride. It really is just trying to to talk about all these different issues happening out there. And the the other cool thing about corn is you may say, okay, you're raising corn in South Dakota. Yeah. What's that have to do with corn in Missouri or corn in Alabama? Well, everything. It's the same crop. And when we see other folks around the country having a problem with something, we want to learn from that. So if that problem happens in our area, we know what to do. So what are some of the big lessons you've taken away so far this summer, Kurt?
3: It looks like even though we've had quite a bit of drought stress, I mean, a lot of areas uh, in the geography that I cover of Eastern Iowa and Western Illinois, we were dry and we went from, you know, our last rain being sometime in the first part of May till literally just this last Thursday, you know, trying to figure out what impact it's had on the crop. Most of our good soils or especially the good soils, I think they've held onto that yield potential, looking at ears, seeing a lot of, you know, 16 around, good length to it. We'll see how it pollinates, which I think we're going to have good weather for pollination. So I think, uh, yield potential is still pretty good on this corn, although it's going to be pretty darn short, and we know that happens with, with dry weather. We're getting the right rains at the right time because a lot of that corn, we're probably going to start getting into pollination next week pretty hot and heavy uh, because we're already starting to see a few tassels this week. So if we can have some timely moisture here, and it looks like we're going to get that, uh, pollination should be good and and uh, keep our fingers crossed and get some get some rain to finish it off.
0: You know, you're right about that pollination weather. We've been riding all these uh, 85, 90-degree days through the summer, depending on where you're at. Some a little warmer, some a little cooler, but uh, above normal heat and now all of a sudden we get a cool off week right about the time we're tasseling it's that's a blessing if we happen to catch a little more rain that'd be fine too how about fungicide timing this is another one we've had a lot of questions around okay now I'm finally getting some rain now we're getting a little cooler weather is that a good thing for the fungicide and and what are some of the things we want to know right around tasseling time to do with fungicide
3: you bet I'm getting that same same question now since I've been going around doing a lot of plant health meetings I think what's going to happen here, we're seeing tar spot obviously show up in, in central Iowa. We've got a few counties on the eastern side of Iowa. With the wind, or wind and rain events that came through here in the last uh, week, uh, that's got the inoculant splashing up on the leaves with tar spot, about a two-week latent period. So about the time most of these tassels are going to be uh, coming out and starting pollination. I think that's where we're going to start seeing our, our first tar spot lesions show up of course our next two weeks is ideal for pollination because we are cooling down a little bit but that's also going to bring on uh, optimal conditions for tar spot plus our forecast looks like we've got chances for quite a few showers again spread out over the next couple weeks so it's a combination of i think we're going to see a lot of disease develop we may even have some northern corn leaf light show up because that's the same condition so the timing of of the tassels coming out and disease may line up well with our fungicide timing because i always talk about i want the application to take place at VTR1 and that's when a lot of our disease is going to be showing up. So th- that timing, I think it can't, can't be any better uh, how it's lining up right now. Just folks need to get out in their fields, be scouting and, and looking for this disease. I'm pretty sure it's going to show up with the weather we've got coming. So be prepared to make that fungicide application.
0: Yep. We've had the warning now. We've seen identification of tar spot in a number of counties in Iowa and surrounding states. You know it's going to be an issue with the weather that we're getting great advice there. And we're talking with Kurt Martins with BASF. Kurt, thank you so much. I'm sure uh, in a couple of weeks we'll probably be talking again and saying, I told you so. I told you so. Here it is.
3: Exactly. You bet. You bet. Thanks, guys.
0: You bet. Thank you. Safe travels to you i uh, got Darren up in North Dakota on right now. I don't think you're worried about tar spot just yet, Darren, but what's the corn crop looking like up there?
4: Yeah, no, I i could, I could go without tar spot, I hear you. Um, no, the corn crop looks uh, really nice. I just got done uh, uh, completing my tissue test for the week, and we're at, uh, well, about V11 on our earliest corn and uh, V9 on our latest, um, which how late we planted is uh, just incredible how fast it's grown in the last uh, five weeks.
0: Yeah, I, I love this stage of growth. It, it's so much fun seeing that corn just shoot up. If everything's going well, how are you sitting on moisture? What what kind of conditions is your crop under?
4: Well, about two weeks ago, I would have said we were in dire need of rain and um, we were, we hadn't started suffering yet, um, but uh, since the 22nd of June, we've gotten about three and a half to four inches, you know, spread over about four different rain events and, um, you know, knock on wood, I'd say things look look pretty good right now. A wheat crop got hurt, especially the early planted wheat. It got a little bit too dry for it, uh, but the corn and soybeans uh, for as late as we planted, um, I think they look really nice right now.
0: You know, you mentioned the soybeans here. I've heard a lot of guys saying, gosh, the soybeans seem to handle this drought a lot better. What, how big are the soybeans right now? How tall are they?
4: Um, so we're ranging from about, uh, five, five, trifol- trifoliate already. Um, and our early planted beans, uh, that we actually got in a few fields before we planted corn they're they are one already. Wow. So, um, not, not quite canopied in we're on 22 inch rows, but, uh, our early beans will be probably canopied in another week. So they're, they're moving along quite nicely.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. All right, talk to us about the corn then. At this stage, are you looking at a fungicide application or what kind of management do you do out in the corn? Is it kind of dependent on some of these tissue test results that you had too?
4: Yeah, you know, my tissue tests have come back really nice. Um, uh, Everything's in the the green for every nutrient. I had a little bit of iron deficiency show up in, in corn last week. So, I'm going to ground truth that and make sure it's in there for another week before I decide to pull the trigger on any kind of foliar application. But um, we've just had sketchy results on fungicide. Um, If we continue with the good growing conditions, I might experiment with some uh, brown silk or, uh, yeah, brown silk timing fungicide Mm -hmm. application just to extend the growing season a little bit since it's going to be a little bit shorter than normal. Since excuse me, since the corn's gonna probably mature a little bit quicker than normal, um, I might look at uh putting the fungicide on there to help uh maybe lengthen that out a little bit. And if uh, you know, the conditions persist if we stay on the wetter side.
0: One thing, one thing that I think, too, uh, I, we're talking to Darren who farms up in North Dakota right now. Uh, one thing that I think, Darren, that a lot of growers don't realize is how high a yielding some of these cornfields are in North Dakota. you get fantastic ground up there, and and getting 200-plus bushel corn is not a stretch at all.
4: No, it's not. We're, we're uh, out of the valleys. So we're not in the really nice, dark, rich soils. But, um, I mean, I've, I've constantly seen my yield monitor hit, you know, 280 to 300. It's just that we have too many knolls that haven't gotten enough rain the last year, four years, and and you know on a good year though we can get those hilltops to run 180, and uh, yeah 200 isn't out of the question. Uh, it's been a while since we averaged close to that, but. uh, Hopefully this year's the ticket.
0: Yeah, yeah. Hopefully the weather turns in, in the right direction, and and everything works out well. Uh, well, yeah. it, it's really encouraging to hear you're scouting, hearing you're pulling a tissue sample, and you're doing everything you yep. can, Darren. So I mean, that's that's really all a guy can do.
4: Yeah, yeah. And you know the beans look, uh, except for a few IDC issues, the beans look good, and and uh, um, we're we're putting putting a few foliar micronutrients on it to help uh, help that yield along. Um, they look good, and you know, price of beans have risen a dollar in the last week. So I think we're going to throw a little bit more money at it to uh, enhance the yields a little bit.
0: Awesome, awesome. Well, good luck to you, Darren. I really appreciate the update today, and and love hearing what you guys are doing up there. Hopefully, you kill it this year on some yield.
4: Yeah, I hope so too. <laughs> Thank you.
0: <laughs> you bet. Thanks getting a corn crop update and, and we're certainly happy to talk about other crops as well on today's Ag PhD radio program. You can send us an email if you've got a picture or if you've got a tissue test or soil test you want to send in radio at agphd.com or just give us a call at 844 44 AGPHD. we will be right back. You won't want to miss this year's Ag PhD Field Day. I'm Darren Hefty. Each summer on the last Thursday in July, we open up our farm to you so you can learn more ways to improve your farm, and the Ag PhD Field Day just keeps getting bigger and better. This year, we're featuring guided tours of our extensive research plots, world premieres of the latest ag technologies, numerous panels of the highest yielding farmers on the planet, and more equipment running in our demo area than we've ever had before. We we'll also have great family entertainment, including a kids' area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and food and drinks available all throughout the day. But the best part is everything is free. We know that you're busy and your time is valuable. That's why we do everything we can to make sure the AgPhD Field Day is a very worthwhile investment of your time. So please go to agphd.com to learn more and be sure to register to join us at this year's AgPhD Field Day, Thursday, July 27th.
2: Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from environmental tillage systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. Did you know 20% of stored corn is overventilated by three points of moisture? On 100,000 bushels, that's a whole semi-load. Stop this problem for as little as $2,100 per bin with the end zone for corn from Farm Shop MFG. Learn more at FarmShopMFG.com.
0: Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, getting a corn crop update. Yeah, we felt safe doing that today since we got a little bit of rain, and our crop looks a little better than it did just a few days ago. Uh, when leaves are rolled up, it's not fun to talk about the corn crop, but when everything looks dark green, it's it's kind of fun to talk about it again. But we'd love to hear how your corn crop is doing. Our phone lines are open at 844 44 ag phd and we don't expect that you keep up with heath cutrell either with extreme ag you don't don't have to crush that massive yield but you know getting a nice yield would be good this year Uh, we got heath on with us right now how you doing heath
5: hey guys how y'all
0: well we're pretty good we're not trying to compete with you we're not necessarily trying to out yield you here on corn today but do want to hear how the corn crops doing and and also i know you get to talk to farmers through the extreme ag group uh, all over the country and just hear what you're hearing from farmers too
5: Yeah, so here, um, right here in this little pocket that we live in, uh, we have not missed a rain yet. Um, The corn looks, and I need to knock on some wood, but it looks absolutely phenomenal Uh, from every acre uh, looking across the whole, you know, the whole acreage that we've got. um, As a matter of fact, it just kind of won't quit raining right now. We finished picking wheat on Sunday. And we still have all of our wheat beans to plant, double crop. So <clears throat> one way it looks really good, but another way I, I would like to finish up at some point. <laughs> yeah, it'd be nice to get
0: a little bit of sunshine out there to get things going, no doubt about that.
5: What's, what's yeah, your no time doubt. limit
0: on that? What's your time limit about getting that double crop in?
5: So, so the old saying was for us, you want all your beans planted by July 4th, uh, and then we lose a bushel a day anything after that okay Uh, we're kind of behind the eight ball right now already yeah yeah
0: not not too far yet but uh but you're right if it doesn't turn around that could be pretty frustrating so okay talk to us about this corn obviously getting rain makes a big difference but setting yourself up to to profit from that rain is another thing Are, are there some things that you say man this was a great decision for us on the farm this year on the corn
5: yeah so you know Backing up all the way to when we planted the corn, when I talked to you guys before, we had actually a a really good uh, start at planting corn. Um, Nothing kind of held us back. Uh, The corn came up. The emergence looked great. Um, Everything just fell right in place. Uh, As far as fertility and all, you know, everything was timely. No big disease pressure so far. Uh, Insects, we haven't seen many of those uh, today, actually. We put our last pass on our corn. Um, We actually flew on a lot of David Euler's kryptomite along with a a pile of other goodies that we put in the plane. Um, And we also treated it for stink bugs just in case there was some out there.
0: Yeah. Stink bugs. Uh, We don't have as bad a problem as other areas in the country, but everybody we talk to says uh, you don't mess around with stink bugs. They, they can definitely hurt your yield. How about the disease side? What you mentioned, you hadn't really seen much yet, but which diseases specifically do you worry about in your part of Virginia?
5: So actually, you know, every, as far as I'm concerned right here, where we're at, it seems like we don't have a big disease pressure here. Uh, We, we've, so I put the law, Dilar- is what I use every year. Um, and uh, to be honest with you, I don't know that maybe one in the last 15 or 16 years, have we ever seen any kind of disease get in our corn.
0: Yeah, that's, that's nice when you don't have to worry about that. Is it just enough trees around enough other crops around? Is there something to it that, that you're just in the right environment for that?
5: Yeah, I, you know, to be honest with you, I don't really know uh, what it is. Uh, there's been a few years where, you know, this or that may have came through and uh, put a little scare in everybody. But as far as uh, a disease pressure, I don't think we really hold one.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Well, that's, that's a good thing. Where Where is your corn at right now? Is it fully tasseled out? How far is the ear development on That kind of thing.
5: We're uh, actually fully tasseled and we're just starting into brown silk.
0: Yep. Not, not too terribly far ahead of us, but yeah, it's going to be interesting to see when you're catching those rains and, and doing everything right. The hearing that your corn crop looks awesome, gets me excited to see what kind of yield numbers you're going to be able to post this year.
5: Yeah, we actually pulled, I actually pulled a first ear yesterday right here beside my house and kind of did a, uh, you know, a kernel count on it and, uh, pollination was looks great on it everything seems to be uh, in place uh, like I said knock on wood for an outstanding corn crop
0: oh, that's fun it's fun when you get those years they don't come every year but when they do come you just got to enjoy them We're talking with Heath Cutrell here with extreme ag and he also farms in the state of Virginia Heath good hearing from you today I uh, hope uh, hope everything continues to go great and, and we hear some awesome numbers this fall
6: Yep, you guys
5: take care and I'll see you at your farm deck.
0: Sounds good. Oh, yeah, that's coming up really quick here on July 27th. So, yeah, just a little over three weeks away. That will be a fun day, no doubt about that. Uh, i get got Kevin with us right now, farms over in Maryland. Kevin, how you doing?
6: Oh, doing well today. Excellent.
0: Well. Excellent. You guys getting uh, some of that decent weather that, that Heath's had where we have had some rains this year and get a nice-looking crop?
6: Um, Our crop has been kind of spotty um where we the areas that have gotten rain have really good looking corn and five miles away you may come up on a area that corn's rolled up and in in severe need of rain it's the rains have been kind of spotty and they've been going over the same areas over and over again um but overall Things look good compared to what other people are dealing with there.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I know Heath was mentioning they had some trouble getting the double crop beans in. How, how are you guys doing down there?
6: Um, Over here on the East Coast, we've been fighting those lows that have been over Canada, pulling the smoke down. Oh, yes. And we've been getting a lot of east wind, which brings in a lot of moisture. And we've had a hard time getting our wheat crop. I harvested um we've got plenty of moisture to get the beans in it's just we're fighting right now to to get the crop out um three weeks ago we thought we would have been everything would have been in and we would have been done by the fourth of july but we sat 10 days with mature wheat in the field and couldn't harvest because of the the east wind and the moisture content coming in off the ocean.
0: Sure, sure. So, what did what did that do to the wheat? Was your quality still good, or did that take a beating too? Uh,
6: it, test weight, it probably cost us two to two to four points in test weight from what we started with early, and our falling numbers. We're getting some reports from the flour mills up in Pennsylvania that some of this wheat that's been transported up there, the falling numbers are uh not what they'd like to see um oh, i'm sorry to hear we that we have in the head yet but uh we don't get it out if we don't if we don't get it out shortly that's what's next yeah
0: yeah no doubt about that well it's uh, what is the forecast with the the smokiness and and all this uh, do they expect that to continue or or they expect that to you to have a break from that
6: well, we've had a break from the smoke the last uh, three or four days, and we've been getting harvesting done, and the hot weather that they've been experiencing in the Midwest has finally moved. We didn't have our first 90-degree day till three days ago. We went through the whole month of June with no 90s. Um, but we're fighting thunderstorms, pop-up thunderstorms. Uh, as I'm sitting to you, I'm looking at a thunderhead that's probably 10 miles away. Neighbors probably getting rain and being run out of the field. So it's just the the thunderstorm potluck. <laughs>
0: yeah, uh, yeah, it's it's tough when uh, when those things come against you. There's not a whole lot you can do. But uh, I love hearing that you're making hay when you can and getting stuff done. Well, I, I hate to hold you and up. Are
6: we- Our wheat crop's been tremendous. If we can just get it out of the field and the corn looks good right now and it's only about 10% in tassel. Okay. So we've got a little ways to go.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, good luck to you, Kevin. Uh, We'll we'll sure pray for some sunshine for you guys as well to get get all that crop in and and get the next crop in the ground as well. Getting a corn crop update from around the country today. We'd love to hear from you at 844-44-AG-PHD.
1: Combine header loss means loss income. Hi, Greg Sauter from 360 Yield Center. It's common to see a two bushel loss per acre due to header loss. That's over $14 per acre. 360 Yield Saver replacement gathering chains cut header loss by cushioning the ear and by closing the gaps between the deck plates. 360 Yield Saver can cut header loss by 80%, adding $14 per acre. Learn more at 360yieldcenter.com.
6: Are you
2: ready? We got the need! The need for seed treatment! Start, Start your engines. engines! Ready, set, Intego. Intego! Start your season strong with Intego Sweet Soybeans, Intego Fungicide Soybeans, and Intego Sweet Cereals OF from Valent USA. Ask your Valent rep about seed treatment solutions or visit valent.com slash Intego. Always read and follow label instruction.
0: You won't want to miss this year's Ag PhD Field Day. I'm Darren Hefty. Each summer on the last Thursday in July, we open up our farm to you so you can learn more ways to improve your farm, and the Ag PhD Field Day just keeps getting bigger and better. This year, we're featuring guided tours of our extensive research plots, world premieres of the latest ag technologies, numerous panels of the highest yielding farmers on the planet, and more equipment running in our demo area than we've ever had before. We also have great family entertainment, including a kids' area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and food and drinks available all throughout the day. But the best part is everything is free. We know that you're busy and your time is valuable. That's why we do everything we can to make sure the AgPhD Field Day is a very worthwhile investment of your time. So please go to agphd.com to learn more and be sure to register to join us at this year's AgPhD Field Day, Thursday, July 27th.
2: When it comes to protecting your field from disease and environmental stress, there's Revitec fungicide. <laughs> and there's everything else. When it comes to unparalleled power, there's Revitech and everything else. And when it comes to speed and stamina, this is Revitec. And this is everything else. Nothing else comes close to ReviTech fungicide from BASF. Always read and follow label directions. Corn rootworms are called the billion-dollar bug for a reason. If you don't control the adult populations now, their offspring will cost you later. Steward EC Insecticide from FMC offers a unique mode of action that delivers fast and long-lasting residual control of corn rootworm beetles and other tough insects. Choose Stuart EC Insecticide from FMC. Always read and follow label
5: directions and precautions for use.
1: Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here along with my brother, Darren. We're live in the Morton studio today, just talking a little about the corn crop. If you've got an update report you'd like to give us, just give us a call here. 844-44-AG-PHD. That's what Jacob did. He's calling from down in Arkansas. Jacob, how are you today?
5: All right.
7: How are y'all?
1: Doing excellent. Here's the question of the day though. How's your corn crop doing?
7: Uh, we've gotten lucky so far, uh, missed some hailstorms and some wind and uh we've got a decent one right now
1: oh good so how far along is it
7: uh we're at r2 we're you know we're past tassel past brown silk we tasseled the first 10 11 days of june and we were just about uh in the brown silk on june 21st so that's good for us
1: so, it's a little bit earlier than normal, I assume, just like a lot of people. what When do you expect you might be starting corn harvest?
7: Probably the next 40 days. You know, so that put us, what, around the 10th or so of August, maybe in that range, which would be early for us most of the time. We're the 15th to the 20th starting. So, sure. five days earlier, maybe seven days earlier.
1: yep. Yep. So in terms of how the corn crop is looking right now, is there anything that you're concerned about as we kind of, I mean, you're getting late. If you're already at R2, the finish line is uh, not too far off in the distance. What are are the last things you're kind of looking for? Will you spray a fungicide yet? Possibly an insecticide. I mean, is there anything else that's kind of concerning for you?
7: The fungicide, hopefully we're early enough that we don't have a southern rust problem unless something you know, comes up that I don't foresee uh, our total, I know we're talking about corn, but our total insect uh, pressure this year mm-hmm. thus far across all four crops have been rather light. Uh, most time we're already on a plant bug application in cotton and a worm application in soybeans if we haven't had to do that yet. Yep. Uh, so right now I don't foresee a problem there in the corn.
1: Good. So, Primarily, then it's weather events you're worried about from here on out until right. you get to that 40 days or so. Whenever you start harvest, yeah. Right.
7: right. So the, the biggest thing we're seeing right now that I find kind of odd, and I've gotten mixed reviews about it, is we're seeing several plants in our crop with two pollinated ears. Yep. The main ear at the ear leaf will be 16 to 18 by 40. You get mm-hmm. an occasional 20 around. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the smaller ear on top is pollinating, uh, and most of the time it's a 16 by 30, 16 by 40. You know, if you look to the good side of that, that's 1,000 plus kernels on that plant. Yep. But if you look to the bad side, of it doesn't go, well, is it taking nutrition away from the primary ear? That's my money ear. So, I don't know. Never done it to this phase. I've seen it, you know, on the end or something like that, but never seen it to the amount we're seeing it this year. Uh, some older agronomists say that plants happy, you did a good job, and right. folks are like, well, you may be taking nutrition, so I'm I'm curious. Eh,
1: I don't think I'd worry about that too much. Uh, what What was your planting population?
7: 35-5. Yeah. We're on 38-inch rows for cotton, so, you know, it's a little different than other folks.
1: Yeah, so those plants are, they're packed in there pretty tight then.
7: We're looking at, uh you know, three per foot, maybe three and a quarter per foot to take an average.
1: But we're picking
7: varieties that like that tighter population sure. as well. We're picking a, what some folks might call a six-year variety.
1: Yeah. Yeah, honestly, I wouldn't worry too much about that, the whole double ear thing. So I, it, it's really not a problem, especially if you're planting 35.5. Because the other th- old theory was always, well, if you're getting a second pollinated ear and that ear lo- doesn't look too bad, you should plant a higher population. Well, at 35.5, you're already investing quite a few dollars in seed in that acre. And uh, yeah. i it, it, <laughs> And what, what if it would have been a dry year, you know, or, you know, a year that wasn't so conducive for super high yield. So, no, I think you're doing just fine.
7: Right. And that, that's one thing we've had this year. We had a, I call it an ugly April. Uh, We had a good March, good planting. Everything came up well, had ugly April and then had a great May and June. Had timely rains, got everything out on time, you know, crop stayed clean fertilizers look like it did a good job all that was was conducive for a hopefully a good finish
1: yeah awesome well jacob congratulations so far hopefully everything works out great for you weather-wise and you finish out the year with your best crop ever yes sir thank you you bet thanks for calling in see you all right ready to get back to that well I was just going to say you know that second year
0: thing is is yeah. kind of interesting and, and for the guys that are getting the, the biggest yields out there and setting records and those kinds of things or even as Jacob said even mm-hmm. just why the end rows sometimes can yield like crazy I mean especially the outside couple rows of fields mm-hmm. when you get That second ear to keep, which the industry hasn't really figured out the secret recipe of, well, we can make that happen all the time, other than having lots of moisture and lots of nutrients available at all times. That's that's a good thing. Now it's just, hey, let's try and keep both those ears. Let's keep feeding everything, make sure we get plenty of water and do everything we can. I, I think it's a really good thing. I'm excited for him.
1: Yeah. And like I said, what what are you going to do to not get that second year? Plant 40,000 plants per acre? Well, then you got more risk for lodging, you have more risk for disease, you spent more money, and if you don't have perfect weather, uh, you might plant it too thick. So, yeah, it... It's always tough. And this is also why, like on our farm, we do vary the population as much as we do. We'll go down to sometimes even 18,000, 22,000, and get just a very few spots of pure sand, non-irrigated. But then we'll also plant into the upper 30,000s on our really good, super high fertility, high organic matter ground too. So we're varying it based on that but then you just you can never outguess mother nature so we try to have variants in part because it's like look i don't want to put all my eggs in one basket we're not going to plant the whole farm to 36 38,000 population uh, for one, the whole farm wouldn't be able to take it. But the other side of it is we, we just we want to spread our risk a little bit. So we know by going lower populations in, in some areas, you're going to potentially lose if you have a great year. But the flip side is, uh, like this year when we've had severe drought, we are pretty confident that really high population is not going to be the highest paying on the farm. And at the end of the day, we got to try to put dollars in our back pocket at the end of the year. So it's hard to do it when you've invested a lot, and then your yields turn out to be down because of the weather.
0: Yeah, that can be that can be frustrating. All right, uh, mailbag questions here. Uh, question on split applying nitrogen, and this one comes in from Nick. He said, "I'm in Northeast Iowa, and I had a question about different ways. I love." I live in the driftless area, which means a lot of our fields are on hillsides, planted on contours, and just difficult to farm. A lot yep. of our soils have CECs anywhere from 10 to 18. Okay. Our current nitrogen program is to put it all out in the fall and then finish up in the spring with anhydrous. I was wondering in what ways... Wait,
1: wait, wait. He just said put it all out in the fall, and then he said...
0: To to put it all on either in the fall... Wait, let's see. <laughs> to put it all on in either the fall and yep. finish up in the spring with anhydrous. That's, I, that's yeah, how that's, it's worded.
1: That's odd. Okay. okay. But go ahead. I was
0: just wondering in what ways I could try splitting my nitrogen since a lot of my soils can't handle the full amount of N I'm going to need due to some lower CEC spots. So side dressing, not really a great option as June is just a
1: busy month with everything else we have going on our farm. Yeah, but that's pretty much your option. So if you want to make your nitrogen last longer, you do a controlled release nitrogen. And you can also look at nitrogen stabilizers. So both things work well. It's just if you're going to do either one of those things in the fall, don't expect that's going to get you all the way till July for your corn the following year. So if you want to do both of those in the spring or either of those, controlled release or stabilized nitrogen, do it in the spring. That'd be great and that'll help you. But if you get 10 CEC ground, we, we often say 10 times your CEC, that's about all your, your soil can hold in terms of nitrogen. That's not much. That's 100 bushel corn, 100, 100 pounds of nitrogen, you know. So where I'm going with this is you I, I realize June may be a busy month, but you may still need to do some then. The other way to look at it is um, if you put it all on up front, we can just set the environmental risk aside for a second you could be losing a bunch of nitrogen so it might pay you pretty good money to apply some of that in june or late may or something like that so yeah i mean we've done we've drug hoses we've injected nitrogen we've done y drops we've done all kinds of different ways you can do a little bit foliar but you got to put it on the ground
4: if you're talking lots of pounds stay tuned we'll be right back
2: When I step on someone's farm, I feel like I've already walked a mile in their shoes. I spend spring on the tractor and fall in the combine. I see the excitement in my kids' eyes on our farm, but worry if there's enough of it for all of them. I make sure everything Case IH makes meets the challenges farmers face, because I face them too. My name is Ryan, I am a farmer, and I work at Case IH.
0: Case IH, built by farmers. You won't want to miss this year's Ag PhD Field Day. I'm Darren Hefty. Each summer on the last Thursday in July, we open up our farm to you so you can learn more ways to improve your farm, and the Ag PhD Field Day just keeps getting bigger and better. This year, we're featuring guided tours of our extensive research plots, world premieres of the latest ag technologies, numerous panels of the highest yielding farmers on the planet, and more equipment running in our demo area than we've ever had before we also have great family entertainment, including a kid's area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and food and drinks available all throughout the day. But the best part is everything is free. We know that you're busy and your time is valuable. That's why we do everything we can to make sure the Ag PhD Field Day is a very worthwhile investment of your time. So please, go to agphd.com to learn more, and be sure to register to join us at this year's AgPHD PhD Field Day, Thursday, July 27th. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're right in the middle of the Ag PhD mailbag time here, taking your calls and questions. Uh, 844-44-AG-PHD or your emails, radio at agphd.com. I got this one in from Tom in southwest Wisconsin. He said, guys, we just haven't caught any rain. Our first and second cutting alfalfa was just horrible. And we're thinking about just burning it off, putting on some manure. Tilling things yep. up yep. and uh, and putting something in like pearl millet or Sudan grass, mm-hmm. we just haven't had good luck. Killing these things of it's it's alfalfa. There's a little bit of volunteer clover out there too, and we're going to use Roundup and AMS. We have in the past, I haven't had yeah. good luck with that. Is there something different I should do, or how would you how would you mix things up with the Roundup to make it work? We were talking about Liberty, Gramoxone, just two, forty other things. Okay, but we've got pearl millet or Sudan grass. We'd like to plant within a week or two.
1: Right, that's the problem. So sure, dicamba, 2,4-D, those products, a lot of people use them in burn downs of alfalfa, but, I I mean, they're going to be a little hard on the millet. So, and you might say, well, wait a second here, I can use some 2,4-D post-emerge on the millet. Sure you can, but anytime you're seeding pretty much any grass and you've got residual there of dicamba or 2,4-D, it can ding up that millet. Now, well, anyway, I'll leave it at that. So if you say, Okay, Gramoxone. Well, Gramoxone basically burns stuff to the ground. That's it. So, I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go that way. Liberty's basically gonna do the same thing to your alfalfa and clover. So, Roundup is the best choice. But the the here are the two challenges. Number one, it's you've got to use the highest labeled rate. So you can't be skimping on rate. And by the way, um, this is higher than an in-crop rate. So you can look on the label for your choice of whatever kind of glyphosate you're using. But you're now to non-crop. You, you are now to burn down. Okay. So you can use a really high rate. That's number one. Number two, don't get carried away in the water volume, but you still want coverage. Okay. You don't have to have perfect coverage, but you want good coverage. Uh, but you don't want to ever go over 10 gallons of water when you're using Roundup. And personally, I like it a little bit less if stuff is small. But what you're talking about it's probably 10 gallons of water. Use ammonium sulfate, 17 pounds per hundred. Uh, and beyond that, I mean, some people talk about throwing a little bit of crop oil or something like that in, generally not necessary, but you could use a little bit of non-ionic surfactant. That will often help. Quart per hundred gallons doesn't cost much money with surfactant. So I'd probably do that if it's me.
0: All right. We got this one in from David. He said, guys, have you had any experience using uh, a product called TerraMar? It's got seaweed, humic, and non-plant food in it.
1: Well, there are lots of products out there, though. I, I mean, I you know, would I think, say we've used some the big kelp. Here, and we've used we've used all kinds of stuff. It's a lot of things that are probably similar. Similar, to what he's yeah. Getting...
0: And I, I would say this, David. I, I, it's important to find out what's in these things because a lot yes. of times you'll see, oh, it has an analysis of one zero zero. Well, 1% N is probably not going to make a big difference on your crop. There's probably something else in there and just asking those questions. okay, what's in there? So in this one, it's kind of nice that uh, you know, okay, it's got a seaweed in there. Well, why do they put seaweed in a lot of times? It's because it contains either auxins or a different type of growth hormone. So they're trying to get growth hormones, uh, humic, uh, And some kind of non-plant food, I'm not sure if that's amino acids or what that is in that particular product, but yeah, there's, there's a few different things they're going for. And so if you know, oh, the seaweed or the kelp is something that's going to have a growth hormone impact. Well, if I've sprayed another growth hormone within a week or so, I sure wouldn't do it. Or if I was going to mix another growth hormone in there, I wouldn't do that either. So just knowing what's in those products is going to be a real big deal. All right. I get this one from Dean. He said, I farm in Northeast North Carolina. I'd like to apply some more nitrogen to my corn by air, but is it safe to the plant with it having tassels and silk out? My plan was uh, to apply uh, a couple different products here. Also some K-Mag, but I'm afraid that I might burn my silks. How much? doesn't say a rate. Yeah. Okay. So
1: yeah, if you keep it really low. If you're doing
0: it by air, it's not going to have much water. So it's going to be that, pretty concentrated. That's the problem.
1: Yeah. If you kept it really low, fine, but you're not going to accomplish much and, with and that. And
0: honestly, a lot of the aerial guys don't want to put fertilizer on because it it's nope. really hard on their equipment. And, and I don't blame them if it's hard on their wings or, or whatever. That That's not a great thing for them. If you're doing it through a pivot, man, Awesome. Absolutely, you can you can yep. rock and roll with that. And but
1: every yeah. time, literally, if if I had irrigation, every single time that pivot was running across the field, it would have some type of fertility with it every time. Not much, but a little bit. But yeah, with a plane, you just you can't get much out there, and you want it with water so it doesn't burn much. So I, I just, I, I struggle to believe that's going to be worth it. But just like Darren and I do all the time, we come up with crazy ideas and we're like, you know what, let's just try it on a few acres and we'll prove it and see what happens. So if I was going to do anything, I'd make sure I keep my rate really low, throw a little water with it and hope for the best.
0: All right, Sandy had a comment. We were talking about barns on the show and Sandy said, I've learned, uh, I've learned some things here from your barn talk Uh, I built my barn running east to west. I've got clear panels along the south side. That way, even when it's cold in the winter, I've got the sun shining in there for my cows. And then the north side, no clear panels for obvious reasons. And these details have made a big difference. Yeah, there's a lot of things. If you can go into it with planning and you say, you know what, I'm building something new. I can do it exactly how I want. That's fantastic. Unfortunately, on a lot of these farms, Brian and we're a fourth generation farm here We've, we do have a few new buildings and we have some that we uh we kind of inherited along the way that well this is just how it was so not not always were they designed for the size of equipment we have today or exactly how we want to do things but
1: and the uh, other big problem is they just didn't get kept up and and that becomes the challenge that's a big reason why you see a lot of buildings torn down anymore, both Darren and in myself have torn down buildings, houses, all kinds of stuff, because it just wasn't kept up, and or it would cost so much to get them back yeah. up to speed. Yeah. It's like you're headed to tear well, them down. Okay, even so like one of our. Oh, I was just going to say one of our one of our oldest building, two of our oldest buildings on the farm, 1974, 1976. They're old farm sheds. Just if we wanted to replace the tin, you could build a whole new building the same size for the same cost. Well, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna replace tin and I got a poor infrastructure. Just tear the building down, start over if I wanted it to go that way.
0: Yeah, and some of this stuff too is, in and, and we grew up through the 80s and uh, you know what the farm economy was there right. and the previous generation they had a stretch there that was awfully tough too and so when you get in those times, are you going to spend a lot of money keeping buildings up? Probably not. And I do understand that but we just all have to think about this as farmers when we've got the benefit of 20, 30, 40 years doing this thing we see, hey, you know what, there were some times there that were really pretty good. That's your shot when you've made some money to try to keep things up because if you don't pretty soon times are not going to be so good and then you just can't afford to do it uh, thanks for for the comment all right uh, i got this one from lavar where can i find free that you talk about any uh, ag chem retailer is going to have access to that product uh, so you can certainly find it from just where farmers would go to get their herbicides, that kind of thing. I don't know if there's freelex that's sold like at hardware stores or something like that. I'm not sure if 2,4-D-choline is on that level yet, but but you can sure check. It's 2,4-D-choline. That's what's different. It's not an amine or an ester. Uh, get this one in from Patrick. You said, I'm Patrick down in Zambia, and you guys talked about decomp that you were using for doing composting, and you didn't have to turn the compost post pile most products require you to flip that pile over uh what what is in that what makes it do that it's a microbial product patrick and i don't believe it's labeled in zambia but there may be some other things that are that are labeled in your country Uh, so look into some of the the different biologicals that are being used because if they they get uh, bugs that are doing a lot of that work they they can actually uh, do a really nice job composting for you without you having to do quite as much work flipping that around uh, get this one in from Andrew. He said, uh, "I've heard you guys talk about ratios of ten to one for phosphorus to zinc." And 30 to 1 for phosphorus to copper. Wondering, what are the best soil levels for manganese and iron, and are there some ratios there that, that you guys look for? I've heard you say a few times iron should be
1: higher than manganese,
0: but not exactly sure where that
1: needs to yeah, be. Yeah, and we haven't really been able to prove that out. That was something from Neil and with the tests he runs, but the tests we're running, the Malik-3 tests... I, I don't Great. really see that. I mean, maybe, yeah. but I, it, it doesn't show up in our yield data, and we have thousands of data points on that, and I can't honestly say iron for sure has to be higher than manganese. Yeah, it's based if on it, a
0: certain test and, and Neil's right. experience. The other question that, that Andrew had was, uh, you say that calcium needs boron to get in the plant and, and everything else needs calcium. Does that mean the levels of boron in the plant uh Oh, do we need, are you talking about levels of boron in the soil or in the plant?
1: In the soil. And I, going back to are there ratios with manganese and iron, haven't really seen that necessarily or a tie-in to phosphorus or anything like that either. But we'll keep working on it. Hey,
0: thanks for the questions. We appreciate that. And thanks to you for listening. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.